0: Travis Wingfield I'm ready to go in coach just give me a chance I know there's a lot riding on it but it's all psychological just gotta stay in a positive frame of mind
1: You are Locked On Dolphin your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin part of the
0: Locked On Podcast Network your team every day All right
1: What's up Dolph fans and welcome into the Tuesday, February the 13th edition of the Locked on Dolphins podcast. I am your host Travis Wingfield and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of of Miami Dolphins football, and on today's show, I talk about myself for a change. My weekend trip and some thoughts in regards to this podcast, some notes on Charles Harris, Bobby McCain, and a preview of the Thursday show when I'll talk about players heading into contract years that need extensions ASAP. And I'm talking Ryan Tannehill and Jarvis Landry yet again, but this time I'm going to turn over to my guest, Jonathan Kinsley, at BrickWallBlitz on Twitter. He joins the program. But first, as you guys know by now, I have to remind you, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating and review. That stuff helps us out so much here, more than you guys could ever know. And those reviews you guys have been writing have been totally awesome, and I'm going to read some on the show here coming up soon when I have a chance without a guest. Also, follow me on Twitter, at WingfulNFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. And, of course, check out LockedOnDolphins.com. Right now, Charles Harris's entire rookie year uh, review piece is up right now on the website written by yours truly. Check that out. And of course, check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, including the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And before we get into first down here, you guys know that the drill by now, typically in a podcast, I go into first down, start talking about things, dolphins, but you know, it's, it's February and we don't, we're not to free agency. We're not to the draft. We're kind of in that lead up period where everything is being overthought and there is just a bunch of topics being beaten to the ground, and we'll get back to another dead period here in June and July, in the middle of summer when nothing is going on either, but I just gotta have content to fill the show, so I'm kind of thinking of some things outside the box. Yesterday, I had all these plans and aspirations to come home from Seattle. I live about two hours outside of Seattle, so... I was all jazzed up and geared up to come home. I was going to watch some more Harris Charles Harris film. I was going to write a Charles Harris piece. I was going to do a podcast. I had all these notes written down. And I got home and I fell asleep for like three hours. So either I'm getting old or I had too much whiskey over the weekend. Whatever it was, I just couldn't get it done. But I did patrol the streets of Seattle in a Dolphins hoodie and a Dolphins ball cap and got some comments from people. I always love doing that. I love telling about the podcast and trying to get the word out there. And it kind of made me think for a second. You know, I saw the locked on Eagles guys had T-shirts made up, and I was curious if I make locked on Dolphins T-shirts and give them away throughout you know, a variety of different types of giveaways, for lack of a better word. I was interested to see if you guys would be interested in wearing T-shirts. Maybe make a gym T-shirt. You know, wherever you are, if you would wear a locked on Dolphin shirt, let me know on Twitter, and I'll uh, I'll think about doing that for you guys. I'm probably going to do it regardless, but I want to see just how much. I need to have made up for the entire thing to work. So Locked On Dolphins apparel coming down the pipe? Maybe. We'll see. I'm not sure yet. But I was able to get into work this morning. I had a pretty slow Monday, so I was able to write that piece on Charles Harris. Had all the gifs and all the notes written up. Just had to go ahead and edit it and put it together. So that's up on LockedOnDolphins.com right now. And let's go ahead and dive into first down here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. That's
0: another Miami Dolphins
1: And it is first down here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast talking a little bit about Charles Harris and that piece and just kind of what I expect from Charles Harris going forward. In the piece, I compared Charles Harris's stats and, and pass rush productivity. If you guys don't know what that is, it takes hits, hurries, and sacks, and it combines them all into one stat called pressures. So pressures per pass rush snap, and that's a really good measure for finding out who is consistently getting to the quarterbacks the most frequently. Cameron Wake has consistently been top of the league in that stat. Von Miller, JJ Watt, those kinds of guys up in that 15 to 18% range in terms of getting to the quarterback with that types of that type of frequency. And Charles Harris from his right defensive end position got to the quarterback 12.5% percent of his snaps this year which is really really good and if you take his entire total across the entire or across every position he was only around like or he was in the same ballpark as Derek Barnett, Olivier Vernon, and Dante Fowler so not quite where you want to be yet but not a bad start for rookie, especially with Derek Barnett who everyone thinks had a really good year for the Eagles and he did it just kind of goes to show that the pressure's don't always equate to the sacks. And it just shows you that they're getting to the quarterback. They're making good moves. They're winning with certain types of pass rushes. And Charles Harris has a few things that he's really, really good at. He can bend very well. He has very violent hands. He can slap the hands down and get that punch out there quickly. doesn't have the longest arms. doesn't have the longest length. And I was kind of surprised to see how long his arms were when I went back and looked at it during this piece. But he has such a good punch and such a good bend and ability to use the athleticism to get that hand out there first. So he has shown pretty how strong he can be with that first punch because he's a little bit undersized in terms of the player the Dolphins want at that position for the prototype for the prototype at that position, and he can beat blocks with that strong punch. So kind of fun to see. And then I moved on to another piece, or I'm working on another piece, I should say, for Bobby McCain for the Miami Dolphins, a slot cornerback. And I've watched one game, and it brings me to a point that I'm going to talk about on Thursday's podcast in a segment we're going to do talking about the Dolphins players that are entering contract years that should get a, a extension ahead of time. Seems like something Miami hasn't done for a long time. We've we've seen Rashard Matthews, we've seen Olivier Vernon walk in free agency, and now Jarvis Landry potentially could walk in free agency, but. The Dolphins need to do better about signing these guys before they get to that point. And I think Bobby McCain headlines that class. He heads into free agency after the 2018 season. And his 2017 season was really good. In that Chargers game, just kind of going over what I saw today in the one game that I watched, he didn't get targeted a single time. He played with great technique. He is growing as a player from a mental standpoint. He understands leverage. He They play him uptight in the press and those stack formations when you have one receiver on the line of scrimmage and one receiver directly behind him off the line of scrimmage. And he kind of dictates where those receivers go with his play and his ability to kind of play that offhand jam and wall him back into the inside and funnel him back into coverage so he looked very good in that one game I'll get to more as the week goes on as the, as the offseason goes on with Bobby McCain and other Dolphins players but he headlines that class and we'll talk about that on the Thursday episode of the Locked On Dolphins podcast I am your host Travis Wingfield at Wingfield NFL and we're going to go ahead and bring on my guest Jonathan Kinsley at Brick wall Blitz on Twitter. And I'm joined now on the podcast by a Ryan Tannehill champion of sorts. You can find his work on Twitter at BrickwallBlitz. You can find his column on PurplePTSD.com. I'm talking about John Kinsley, Mr. Kinsley. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing all right. How about you? Not too bad, man. Thanks for asking. Come on, on the show tonight. Now, I I wanted to get you on before we jump into it here because you have you've taken a stance on two of the most polarizing. I wouldn't say polarizing for both of them, but Ryan Tannehill certainly is one of the most polarizing figures for the Miami Dolphins, if not the entire NFL. And then Jarvis Landry, who has this just rabid fan base that supports him regardless of what happens. And so you've kind of taken a stance on both sides of those. And I would say that your stance is probably the least popular of the two in both of those. So I wanted to get you on to kind of bring an outside perspective on the Miami Dolphins because I talk to my guests every single day, or not my guests, my my audience every day, and they kind of know where my thoughts are on these things. So I wanted to bring on somebody else from the outside that puts in the work, that watches the film, that kind of thing. So you good with that? Not a problem. Cool. Let's get into it. And if you guys don't know by now, John does the uh, the deep ball project at Brickwall Blitz on Twitter, where he charts players' passes down the field. And John, I've been charting Ryan Tannehill for pretty much his whole career so far. And I just want to kind of have you talk a little bit about the deep ball project, what you do with that exactly, and just kind of how that fits in with Ryan Tannehill and the Dolphins. Well, the
0: deep ball project was something I started back in 2014. Basically it charts every throw that makes it at least 16 yards in the air with some exceptions. I don't chart anything that's like like I don't chart throwaways, I don't chart miscommunications, I don't chart plays offset by penalties or plays deflected before they reach 16 air yards. So with each new edition, I've added in new stats, and the most important one that like the one I've emphasized the most is accuracy percentage, which I, I first introduced that in the 2015-16 edition of the Deep Ball Project. Accuracy percentage takes into account how accurate the throw is, regardless of whether it's dropped or not. Tightly contested passes may or may not be considered accurate, depending on the placement, and poor attempts in playing the ball uh, are usually considered accurate throws. So with that said, Ryan Tannehill gradually has become one of the more accurate downfield passes in the league. So in the 2016-17 edition of the D-Ball Project, he was accurate on 64.1% of his deep passes, which was fourth out of uh, 31 qualified quarterbacks. Jay Cutler, on the other hand, was accurate on exactly 40% of his deep passes this season, which would have ranked 29th if that counted for that edition.
1: Very nice. So definitely a big discrepancy there. And you talked about tightly contested balls, man, as a film watcher, as a quarterback, grader of sorts, those are the hardest ones for me to figure out like the back shoulder throws and stuff. That's a really tough throw to, to kind of judge. So I, I see what you're saying there. And so you, you talked about comparing Tannehill to Cutler and just kind of talk about, in your opinion, what was the big drop off there between the two? Because in my opinion, I think there's a ripple effect that took place across the entire football team from the huge drop off in quarterback play. Do you see it the same way?
0: Well, to get to that, we got to start with uh, Hill's 2016 season. So, with him, when Adam Gase came along, there really hasn't been this gigantic overall haul in play to me. He was playing the exact same as in seasons past. The thing is, when Adam Gase was hired, he gave Hill a scheme that actually made sense. It was constantly giving Tannehill the freedom to audible, the line of scrimmage which someone get Joe Philbin never gave him in the past. And it opened up the playbook to allow more vertical throws. Of course, it wasn't a flawless situation. The offensive line was still lawful. This the tight end situation wasn't really that good. Receivers weren't all that great, but because Gase gave Tanhill that much more breathing room, it allowed him to play in an offense that didn't overwhelm him as much, which was a big reason why the Delphins were so successful in 2016. So when Cutler came in, he was familiar with Gase's offense during his time in Chicago, but that did not mean he was as good as Tanhill. Of course, as you know, everyone in the media hyped him up as better than Tannehill. After, like, surprisingly, after trashing Cutler years prior, so, I don't, know, I don't know, like, the narrative switched in Miami, and it's odd. But when Cutler came in, he was coming off a labrum injury in his throwing shoulder. Combine that with the Dolphins giving him $10 million right away, and he, you just saw a complete disinterest in his mechanics and footwork. Cutler would constantly backpedal when passing, even on plays where there wasn't pressure at all, and it's affected the throws he was making. His decision-making in the past was always inconsistent, but became even worse in 2017 because he just stopped caring. This is a guy that always steered around average territory to me, but just dropped the ability to be poised or throw a precision when he got paid. So uh, compare that to Tannehill, who has shown excellent mobility. Pretty much, like, Colin and Tannehill have both been pretty mobile in the past, so, like, they're, they're both equal in that respect. Uh, Tannehill's been dogged in the past for a supposed lack of good pocket movement. Like, I've gotten this a lot when, when, I, when I've done some threads on Tannehill in the past. Having gone through him and charted him, I can say I don't really agree with that. He's played behind some awful offensive lines of schemes, as I mentioned earlier. So naturally, you're going to end up getting sacked wide. You're going to make some mistakes. You're going to make it, it it basically, it happens. And when against pressure, Tannehill's actually been pretty poised. He's able to take hits and stand tall in the pocket when taking really good care of the ball and attacking tight windows. And he showcases impressive arm talent. Like, not not exactly uh, the kind of arm talent that Jake Cutler has, but still pretty good. So, with the increased freedom and audibling, he's been able to diagnose d- defensive coverages better, and he's been able to move himself in the best possible position to succeed. And this does include some outrageous plays, the most memorable of which, in my opinion, has to be against the Chargers in 2016. In that game, uh, Tannehill was rolling out of the pocket, and it was about to get drilled by uh, defensive ta- tackle Tenny what have you pronounce his name, but he was, he's a defensive tackle for the Chargers. Like, Tannehill saw this, but was able to keep his composure, stop, settle his feet, make a poised throw just before getting the smackdown. Uh, that throw, like to Kenny Stills, was perfect and resulted in a 39-yard touchdown. So it's one of the most spectacular throws I've ever seen any quarterback make and, to my knowledge, should be used to dispute with people who think Tannehill is lacking
1: in pocket movement. And that GIF has been used or spread around the Dolphins community quite a bit, if you, if you can believe it or not. I'm sure you can. But I thought there was a throw in that game that was, if not more impressive, just as impressive late in the game when he got hit. And, a, and there was a roughing the passer call on the, on the play when he threw it to Devontae Parker downfield. That was some incredible accuracy under pressure. And he's been that quarterback his whole career. You know, he takes a lot of hits and stands in there and makes the big throws. But you talked about the offense a little bit. And it's just crazy to me. Like I have been, like I mentioned, I've been charting some of the older Tannehill games. And if you go back to 2012 and 2013, they ran so little play action past. Passing game with him and the two tight end sets and that's like his bread and butter man he is so good outside the pocket he is so good in play action and they just didn't do it so it was really strange so I'm with you on that Adam Gaze brings definitely a a different type of offense to Ryan Tannehill one that he can succeed in now let's talk about kind of the elephant in the room and that's Ryan Tannehill's health now (laughs) this is something we talk about like I mentioned John all the time on Dolphins Twitter Dolphins message boards whatever you want to call it Ryan Tannehill's knee problem comes up so dang often and the first time he didn't get surgery, obviously he tried to do the stem cell rehab and they said it was going very well. They they told us all that he was going to be just fine. And then he comes back on like the sixth practice of the season or the, or training camp, he goes out and gets hurt again. So in your estimation, is that something that the Dolphins should be concerned about? Is it a big deal? And can he bounce back as soon as
0: 2018? I think it's, I health definitely is something to worry about if you're a Dolphins fan, but you also have to be able to give him clean pockets. So he's not getting destroyed all the time. I mean, like, obviously, like, the injury he suffered last year was a non-contact injury uh, during practice. But when he's getting back on the field and he's trying to shake off the rust, um, you're, you're definitely going to want to have him get, have, have this, this sort of, uh, the, like, this pocket that, like, teams like the Cowboys, Eagles, or Steelers can provide. So getting into his health, I can get people why people want to draft the quarterback late. Like, I've gotten this several times, and I mentioned Travis –
1: but this is not
0: like, say, Tony Romo and Dak Prescott, which made more sense. Romo was 36 at the time when uh, Prescott was drafted, and uh, Tannehill will be 30 this season. So it would make more sense to try and find a back of the free agency to me while using the draft picks on roster holes such as the offensive line. So the important thing f- fans have to understand is they got to be patient with Tanhill once he comes back. Of course... Like, like, you know it, I know it. He's going to get criticized if he struggles early on. All the media heads are going to come after him. Like, They're like, oh, bench him, whatever. But he's coming off a torn ACL from last season and a knee injury from 2016. The team needs to live with him getting rid of his rust and struggling early because it's going to take a few games for him to be comfortable again.
1: And it's a shame that recency bias is such a big thing because, you know, we I thought we kind of separated ourselves from the Ryan Tannehill hate speech that was kind of going on throughout the entire course of his career. After he went, you know, 7-1 and through 8 games, had a passer rating over 100, he was top 5 or 6 in so many major statistical categories. And obviously the film guys like you and I can appreciate what he did in those games too. But it seems like, you know, 2017 with Jay Cutler, we thought that maybe that would kind of strengthen the Ryan Tannehill position, but it does it seems that done the opposite and team and fans want to go out and get a quarterback now. So it's madness out there. I, I can't really fathom what, you know, their thoughts are in terms of that, but I agree with you entirely. And I, like I mentioned guys, this is Jonathan Kinsley here. He's at Brickwall blitz on Twitter, writes for purple com. And we're going to come back and talk about Jarvis Landry and the other skill players from the lockdown dolphins podcast. And back here with John Kinsley at Brickwall blitz on Twitter, purple PTSD.com. He is a, quarterback guru of sorts he posts all kinds of gifs on his tw- uh, his twitter timeline and he does some really good stuff with ryan Tannehill, and, and just also receivers and other positions too across the nfl he's an nfl writer so one guy that you have positioned yourself uh kind of unceremoniously amongst dolphins fans is jarvis landry now you and i have talked about this on um, some dms throughout the course of the last few days leading up to this podcast and i don't think the Dolphins should splurge on jarvis landry by any stretch of the imagination and i know you feel the same way
0: yeah, I've been pretty vocal about my opinion on uh, Jarvis Landry, and you kind of have to be when he's set to make big money in either Miami or in another city. Now, before I dive completely into my thoughts on Landry, I want to say that I actually do understand why a lot of Dolphins, Dolphins fans like him. He plays with a fiery passion, that went over the casual crowd, has done a lot of work in the Miami community, and he catches the ball a lot, obviously. So I get that. I understand why Dolph- Dolphins fans like him. But my problem with him is, I just don't think he's that good. I like I, obviously he's a three-time Pro Bowler, but I've never been all that into him in general. Or the Pro Bowl. If you're going from stats outside of catches, what is there to be impressed by? He had 13 touchdowns in his first three seasons, which is outlandishly low. His career yards per reception stands at 10.1 right now, which again isn't all that impressive. So in 2017, Landry had a career high in touchdowns with nine, but he finished with an atrocious average in yards per reception, 8.8 to be exact. And he's also the first wide receiver in NFL history to put up at least 100 catches and finish with less than 1,000 yards. And that's not something you want out of a guy that's supposed to be a top 20 wide receiver or the best receiver that Miami has. So getting into the actual skill set, Dolphins fans generally have said Landry's Baffling statistical performance this season was a result of Adam GaSe badly scheming him. I've gotten that a lot again. Well, in actuality, Langi's skill set, skill set, excuse me, is really limited compared to the receivers he's often placed next to. His overall speed is, like, to me, is sluggish, especially when put next to a guy like Jakeen Grant. So this makes it easier for defenders to tackle him, obviously. When asked to work tight gaps in space, he's shown a surprising amount of hesitance and spends entirely too much time trying to make something special happen instead of just getting yards in front of him. It's like he doesn't have a filter that tells him when to make a move or when to just take what's in front of him. And as a route runner, he's been extremely overrated, in my opinion. Obviously, like like, everyone, Uh, their opinion's differ, but Landry largely needs to be schemed open to me to make any progress downfield. His ability to separate just can't compare to his peers. So he's not a guy that you can throw to and expect a large margin of error like uh, Odell Beckham or Antonio Brown or DeAndre Hopkins. Finally, his approach in tight coverage and that the catch point is just surprisingly poor. There was, uh, for example, there was one play against the Panthers on Monday Night Football. It was a first and ten on Carolina's 38-yard line where Landry was running a simple route to the middle of the field, completely wide open. So Cutler threw the ball to him, and right at that moment, uh, corner Kevin Seymour, who was recently traded to the Panthers, I think from the Bills. He was about to throw the ball and prevented Landry from making the catch, and he was able to, but what made it infuri- infuriating to me was just how Landry played the ball. He was he, like he was trying to one-hand it with his left hand without protecting himself at all. It would have been a lot easier for him to just box out Seymour by jumping, using both of his hands, and putting a focus on ball security once he got hit. It just looked like he wasn't aware of Seymour's presence, but even then, how he played the ball made it incompletion his own fault to me. So... I would let Landry walk and go to another team. The Dolphins need to focus more on getting fast to receivers that can create separation and do more than just catch 100 passes every year without doing much else. Normally, obviously, catching 100 passes a year would be a great testament to your quality, but consider it like Landry is the first receiver to do so, but post less than 1,000 yards, granted, like he was 13 yards away from doing it, but got ejected in uh, the final game. <laughs>
1: And that's my thing too, John, is the, the yeah. fact that you, you've got to target him so many times to get him that many yardage, that much yardage. I mean, the guy had 160 targets. I feel like I can find several receivers in this draft in that second to third round that I can give 160 targets and find 1,000 yards from.
0: Exactly. And, like, I don't know, it, it, just, it, just, it just feels like he's been forced to the ball in actuality. like It feels like he's been an anchor to this Miami offense.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a weird balance there. And I, it, let's let's both just like kind of put this in the open, too. I don't think he's a guy that you necessarily want to see walk. Like you mentioned, he has a good passion and a good fire, but he had a lot of mistakes this year. He dropped some balls. He obviously has the big penalties every single year. That's a thing for him now. Uh, he retreated on a couple of ball uh, catches where he had first downs and then went backwards and lost the first down. I mean, at what point do you say, hey, dude, you're nowhere near this Julio Jones, Antonio Brown money that you're asking, so... Let's talk about you know Jarvis Landry if he walks and you got some guys in the in waiting in the fold for him too as well coming up the pipeline other skill players you mentioned Jakeem Grant already you and I have discussed Kenny Stills Devonte Parker was a massive bust this year in terms of production you got AJ Derby coming over from the Broncos or wherever he came from last I forget where it was and then Julius Thomas a player that probably going to end up cutting this year but just talk about the Dolphins skill players who do you like who do you not like?
0: Well obviously I've already gotten in on Landry but the Dolphins have several other interesting pieces. Devon- Devontae Parker has been a disappointment thus far. He's a guy that, in my opinion, could actually be a Marvin Jones-esque receiver that displays a unreal talent at uh, providing the, like this insane ball, like these insane ball skills and like contested coverage. But the problem is, like, he doesn't have any consistency at the catch point. He struggles to win to the catch point off, and then while he he has shown a few flashes of impressive play, it just it's it's really not enough to overcome how many plays he's left in the field. And you, you talk about Julius Thomas. He was supposed to be this big off-season acquisition, but he was terrible this season. It's pretty clear his athleticism is almost entirely gone. None of it's back from, like, when he was with Peyton Manning and the Broncos. And he's been a complete liability against man coverage. Kenny Stills, to me, is the best receiver on the Dolphins. He's not, like, he's, he's obviously, he's, he's not, like, this top-ten receiver. He's not, like, Antonio Brown or Royal Beckham. But he's a good one. He's able to create more separation than either Park or Landry, and he does have solid ball skills. His skill set feels like the most well-rounded of any veteran receiver that's on the Dolphins. And of course, Kenny Drake has been a hot story. So what's interesting is that the Dolphins have had a strange amount of good luck in the backfield over the last four years. So when you think about it, when Sean Moreno went down in 2014, Lamar Miller came in and just looked so explosive. Like he stepped up and he was able to provide 1,000 yards. Then when he went to Houston, Jay Ajayi stepped up and showed off this awesome amount of power combined with electric footwork. Then he got traded to the Eagles this past offseason, and now Drake has taken over as a starter. So what makes Drake so enticing is just how much of a contrast his skill set is to Ajayi. Ajayi, as aforementioned, is a pow- powerful, contact-heavy back, and that showed with his natural fit in Philadelphia. Drake, on the other hand, is a quicker, flashier player who can work tight gaps, shows lightning-fast footwork and impressive jump cuts, and is absolutely dangerous in open space. Miami should get someone to compliment him in a run game while keeping an eye on Damian Williams, as I know he was struggling with injuries this season. And now we get to Jakeem Grant, who is another guy that looks really intriguing. He was, like, as you know, he was drafted in the sixth round in 2016, but only started seeing significant playing time in the later half of the 2017 season. He's a guy that looks a lot more talented than Landry Parker. His raw speed is in the same area code to me as a guy like uh, Tyreek Hill. And he has impressive ball skills, as shown by the touchdown catch he had on Monday night against the Patriots. As a short yardage guy, he's perfect on bubble screens because his speed allows him him to break into the open field in the blink of an eye. Obviously, you can't be too sure about what he can become because because of his limited sample size. But I'm excited to see what Gates can get out of him in the future. Then there's A.J. Derby, who is a guy that I don't know if he'll see more playing time or even be on the roster. but But he looks like a solid player. He's very athletic and, like, Grant hones good ball skills, like that one-headed snag for a touchdown he had against against the Raiders when he was in Denver. I was actually, like, pretty surprised that they waived him considering that they traded him to, to get him from New England. But he was placed on injured reserve, so I guess it makes sense. So going forward... I would want the Dolphins to move on from Landry and Thomas. Maybe consider moving on from Parker and go forward with Stills, Grant, Drake, and Derby. And go a- go after a free agent wide receiver like Allen Robinson or Albert Wilson. Or see if you can get trade for Martavis Bryant to get a talented vertical threat. Maybe you could try to get a tight end in the draft if you're cautious about how Derby or the other tight ends will pan out. The offensive line obviously needs a lot of work, so that's something they will need to improve. But the big issue is working on getting more speed. It's kind of like the Panthers when they got rid of Kelvin Benjamin. Like, That's it, not a really spectacular unit, obviously. Like, they got guys that drop balls all the time. But with Benjamin gone, like there's been a greater emphasis on speed. and uh, There's a greater chemistry between the receivers and Cam Noon. So with Grant and Drake, you have two young guys with a lot of potential that can get that done, like the whole speed thing done. And Stills is a proven veteran. Those three should be big pieces in twenty eighteen and with Tannehill returning it should make their product right productivity that much
1: smoother i like the options you mentioned too martavis bryant's a guy that i've been kind of curious about basically since his whole ordeal in the beginning of the year last year with pittsburgh where they didn't really want to bring him back or he was mad about his playing time whatever it was Allen robinson another name that i like too and then this tight end class as far as the draft goes is is just loaded so i'd love to dip into that pool and you know you talked about receivers a little bit and i have a list here of things that i look for in a number one receiver a guy worth the big time money and it's it's can he consistently beat one-on-one coverage and can he stack Can he stack DBs? Have you ever seen Jarvis Landry stack a DB?
0: Uh, a couple of times actually, but not quite as consistently as say anyone in
1: the top 10 yeah exactly it's nowhere near that also can you win on third and long and in the red zone against one-on-one coverage and can you beat bracket coverage can you beat double teams which he doesn't do that like you mentioned just the lack of high end speed he's not really i mean he's more sudden than he is fast but even then he's not a great route runner like you mentioned so i yeah i just don't see it man i I like your idea of going forward with the young guys kenny Stills is kind of the top presence there and i I don't care much for Devontae parker either so very good stuff man i really appreciate it Uh, anything else you want to give me the hair john before i get you before i get you out of here
0: uh tom brady lost so congrats to all fans
1: <laughs> you just endeared yourself to the entire fan base so he is jonathan kinsley at brick wall blitz you can find his writing on purpleptsd.com and check out his timeline again brick wall blitz on twitter thanks a lot john thank you again a big thanks to my guest jonathan kinsley at brick wall blitz for coming on and doing the podcast i apologize for that sound quality i know it wasn't the best we had some problems getting it kind of figured out over here but that will do it for tonight's podcast guys be sure to tune in tomorrow for the podcast, my 100th episode with you guys from the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. I'll be joined by Alfredo Artega, Artega at Uptown Report on Twitter. So check that out. He's got some good Dolphins insight for you guys. And so be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating and review and check out the other Lockdown Sports podcast for all your local national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at lethal NFL. Follow the show at Lockdown Fins. And of course, check out at Lockdown NFL on Twitter as well as their Facebook page. And lastly, but not leastly, check out LockedOnDolphins.com for all your daily written Dolphins content needs. We'll be back tomorrow with the 100th episode of the Locked On Dolphins podcast hosted by your Shirley Travis Wingfield for your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.